<laughs> but it's like you, you're not listening to the at least the last end part of this, their their point. You know, in the whole time they were talking, you were thinking about what you were going to say. You weren't actually going to be addressing their point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that whole time you were talking, I was thinking about my next point, which <laughs> <laughs> is that maybe the Do Less podcast should start its own religion where we say check your bias instead of check your privilege. the do less podcast jeff john and brendan so today we're going to be talking about censorship uh versus free speech um and what's uh, been in the news lately this past week we had uh the march on the capitol building by the right-wing trump supporters uh, which is definitely a day that'll go down in history um and trump was recently banned from twitter this week as well uh, it's a pretty interesting story do you guys want to have some uh, opening remarks, or uh, I can open up with a few thoughts of my own? Why don't you open open us up? Sure. So before you guys dive in, I'll just give you uh, a little bit of what my perspective is on, uh, you know, whether or not these big social media companies should have the ability to ban people or silence certain points of views. Um, I think you guys might agree with some, but not all of this. So um, generally, I think. You know, these big companies like Twitter um, are private companies, right? So the government shouldn't be telling them what to do. So they should have the right to decide who uses their platform and how, um, and therefore should have the right to ban people or mark certain tweets as, uh, you know, fake news if that's what they decide to do. Um, and obviously that's what they've been doing. Uh, that said, I don't think it's a great business decision for them to get in the business of, uh, being the arbiters of truth and deciding who gets to say what, um, but it's a little bit too late for that. So now that they've, they've started down that road, um, and I think it's a it could be interesting for us to talk about, um, you know, how in the modern day era, the way for people to get their voices out there is through these uh, social media apps. It's the only way to speak to millions of people uh, at one time. And so when you have those platforms taken away from you, as Trump did this week you are either then go for, forced to use other applications uh, that are generally have less users or uh, you know you can't go stand on your soapbox on the street corner and, and talk to a million people right so um, yeah I think uh, getting in the business of deciding who gets to say what um, is just going to lead to a little bit of further division between uh, people's points of views when you're going forcing people to a different app uh, like Parler is the is the example where right wing uh, people are forced to go, you know, speak their points of view, um, where they're now going to places that are even worse echo chambers than the typical social media places are, um, and they're not, you know, getting a full perspective and, and seeing left point of views on on apps like Parler and other places are getting forced to go to. So, um, yeah, I think it's bad news all around. Um, I don't know what the answer is. Um, like I said, these companies should have the right to ban people, but, um, it's pretty tough to determine, you know, if and when they should do that. What do you guys think about that? So you said it was a bad business decision. 
Um, I would go as far as to say it's a bad civil decision in terms of um, what this is, what I consider this to be, and what this uh, pretty fairly could be considered as by most of the people affected by the ban uh, in terms of wanting to hear what Trump says, like Trump supporters, I'm trying to say, um, they are all going to assume that this is an attack. You know, this is quite literally uh, the first step of the first step of an attack on a certain people is to destroy their means of communication with each other. So once you've done that, once you've, um, are you guys hearing a complete, like what, like rushing in the background? Do you hear yeah. that? Sounds good to hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just when I was talking, um, it's going to be considered an attack. And, uh, so what do you guys, what do you do when you get attacked? You're going to defend yourself and you're going to, feel justified in defending yourself um however you deem necessary uh retaliation is what trump supporters are gonna determine in the in the coming days and weeks but uh i would i wouldn't say anything less than that was a full-on attack of trump supporters um i feel like attack is a strong word but i i agree with you that this is essentially from what we've seen in an attempt to completely silence donald trump it's not just like twitter is like uh saying donald trump isn't uh, subscribing to our terms and conditions and so we're banning him off twitter and it's just this isolated company because um trump said he's going to move to parlor and then amazon uh web services said they're not going to host Parler on their platform. And then Apple said they take Parler off their web store, which they, their, or their app store, which they haven't done yet, but they said they would or threatened to. Um, so you kind of have all these big companies working together to make sure he's got nowhere to go. So we're moving out of sort of just a, a single company's decision into this more like cartel-like moving in lockstep decision-making with these companies where, you know, they all work together so closely that if, let's say Amazon Web Services stops hosting someone, then, you know, it's much harder for that application to exist. Or if they all, basically if everyone together is banning you from um, getting access is much more difficult for you to exist, but even even still, even with all these big tech companies coming together, I still think they all have every right to do this. So I I don't like it. Uh, it kind of creeps me out <laughs> in all honesty that they're all just working together like this. Um, but I don't see this as any. I kind of so I subscribe to like the non-aggression principle, which is basically the core tenet of libertarianism, which is basically laws and the government is there to make sure people don't aggress on other people. And I think if you built the app, you own the servers, all this is private property. You can decide who gets to participate with your business and who doesn't. And so this is all 
falling with under freedom of association as far as I'm concerned. And because that's the case, um, it, I don't think they're doing anything morally wrong by doing this. I just would agree. I, I don't think this is a good business decision because about half the country. You don't think it's, you don't think it's morally wrong? No, I don't think it is. I think I, I think you should bifurcate that because I think I see what you're saying. Like it's not morally wrong to to choose who's on your platform and choose who's who's allowed to say what. But I think it's morally wrong to choose to, uh, to, um, enforce your rules on one side and not on the other side. I think that's not morally right. Yeah, but the problem is I don't think they see it that way. I think they truly believe they're being fair. That's the thing. It's like I don't. I don't think behind closed doors, they sit down and go, how do we stop these Republicans? I think they really do like drink the Kool-Aid in terms of Trump is an existential threat to America. This is terrible. Like, I think they truly probably do believe that. Like and Cartman, so Cartman thinks he's telling the truth because he's just such a, he's such a liar that his lies <laughs> actually internalize. And so when he's telling a lie, he's actually telling the truth, but it's a lie that he made up. But to him, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think they actually do believe this. And then if we were to come in to say, oh, you're not. I, I mean, you, I don't think anyone here would advocate the government stepping in. But the problem is, once we start saying this is immoral, I, I know we don't advocate for legislating around morality. But it concerns me that if the rhetoric amps up to this is immoral. They shouldn't be doing this. There's going to be, cause there's already, I see all over Twitter conservatives. Well, it's, it's, I think you can, you can make a difference. It's saying it's immoral. Doesn't mean you are saying you shouldn't be doing this. People can make their own choices, but to say something's immoral doesn't, it's not to, it's not to say you're not allowed to do it. It's just to say that it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to call it immoral. I think it's not healthy for um, our social fabric, but I think our social fabric is already sort of falling apart. And um, it seems like if these companies keep doing these sorts of things, they're basically alienating potentially half their consumer base. And if they if all these companies go, you know, you did business with uh, this notorious Trump supporter, so I'm not doing business with you. If uh, lots and lots of businesses start doing that, we're essentially going to bifurcate into two economies. There's going to be an economy for people who are like, don't want to touch anything to do with Trump and an economy of people who either don't care or, you know, are Trump supporters. And so I think this is terrible for the social fabric because... If we're not doing trade with one another, it's very easy for us to start to view each other as the other side, like different, you know, I think separating our government is less hostile than this. If you don't do trade with people, that's much more alienating than just saying, we'll govern each other differently, I feel. Because if you're not willing to trade with someone, do business with someone, you're basically saying, you are so evil, we can't even do something that's in both of our best interests. <laughs> which is right. I think a very dark place to take this. Yeah. And I'll just say one more thing. So on the immorality of it, 
I would actually say the more egregious example of pretty much the same thing from Twitter was back before the election when the Hunter Biden story broke and they just completely censored that story that would not let it they were not let it run on their website or even be shared among their direct messages on their website. Um, I think that was actually an example of something that they did out of complete uh, out of the complete purpose to change the election results. Like they didn't mm -hmm. want something that was going to negatively affect Biden to come out the week before the election. So um, I think they did that specifically in mind with the election in mind. Whereas this, you could say it's it's less of a, a politically charged result driven kind of thing. So I would say that was the egregious example. And the fact that we didn't learn from that and we kind of just was like, oh, that was weird. But hopefully that never happens again. And then all of a sudden you get this and it's like, well, you knew what Twitter was going to do. They were going to do what they did before. Like you've already had the example that they were going to do this. So uh, that was the example we should have been throwing up the red flag before we let Twitter run rampant. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, so, something that's a useful like thought experiment for people, um, you know, especially any like democratic left wing uh, person listening to this, like, to clarify, I hate Trump and everything he says and <laughs> pretends to stand for, and yet I think it's a, a very slippery slope to to shut down, you know, his Twitter account and the things he's saying and, and filter stories uh, like, like the Hunter Biden story, like you just said. Um, so I, I think what's an interesting thought experiment is to imagine like the next George Washington, someone who's like positive and like you know great for our society in theory but is going to, would be required to, you know, be anti-establishment and, and kind of overthrow the government or, you know, obviously the things George Washington would have been saying, you know, 300 years ago would be, uh, you know, issues of that would incite violence, right? Like yeah. obviously he started a war. So <laughs> you can imagine if a, if a politician like that came along today, he would very likely uh, be considered a domestic terrorist or would um, be deplatformed pretty quickly um, and might, you know, not be able to, would, would pretty quickly uh, not be able to tear down an establishment if social media companies are silencing that person's voice um, and, big, and the, you know, the government's obviously going to be demonizing that person if they're anti-government. So um, it's, yeah, it's yeah, that's a good point. Happens. That's a good point. You can just imagine just imagine the British colonial uh, argument. It's like that guy George Washington. He doesn't want our king's rule over there, and he wants to subject his bad policies on the people over there to to a negative effect to those people. He doesn't care about those people. He's like a Nazi. Well, obviously they wouldn't say Nazi, but he's like as bad as you know. <laughs> so do a little time a little time warp thought experiment. <laughs> but they'd be like, hmm, that guy that's doing that. It's all a lot like Hitler, who is yet to be born or do anything bad. But <laughs> even, time even before Hitler, Hitler, we compared everyone to Hitler. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, but the, I, it's what's interesting about that point is how many people today, like what percent of Americans do you think would say the American Revolution was a good thing? I don't know, and I, I'm not going to put a percentage. But I bet it's not as high as it used to be. Mm. 
Really? You think I, so? I bet it's I bet it's ninety nine percent. You think so? I I don't know. I, do. I see. I, I think there's a lot of people actually who don't really like what America stands for, and so to say, oh well, if we had the next George Washington come along, they're like, oh, it would have been better if like that guy didn't never had a chance. I don't know. I'm maybe that's completely false um, because I have nothing to support what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, I I think there is more and more people out there in America who generally don't really believe in the American experiment so much. I think that's probably true. And like you said, I think it's declining. Um, but it's pretty impossible to imagine the counterfactual, you know, what, mm -hmm. how history would have proceeded if that didn't happen, if the American Revolution didn't happen. So impossible to say whether it'd be better or worse. See, true. Jeff, I, um, I don't think, I don't get that that uh, kind of perspective because I think that, well, I mean, it's kind of one thing to say that people are going against their public school government programming to learn that the Revolutionary <laughs> War was like <laughs> some fairy tale, like, you know, beautiful thing. Like, it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to unlearn that for people. So even if they are critically thinking about the U.S., I don't think that their critical thinking is strong enough to unlearn what they learned about how great the revolutionary war is i think what it what i my perspective is of that opinion that they have is like more america was great in its foundation great in its promulgation but now it's being bastardized and so we need to recorrect the ship you know we're the and we're the champions of that like they're saying like uh we need to censor trump because we need to keep the 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 spirit of america alive you know mm -hmm. back to our our roots from the revolutionary war like that to them that's all in the same sentence almost so you yeah need to make, it, make it great again is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> well i actually no that's a that's a really good point and i actually now that you mentioned it i would agree with that i would say i think everyone thinks they're the ones being oppressed upon and that they're sort of the revolutionaries and that they're standing up to the powers that be. Right. And that's pretty hilarious because if we're all the ones being oppressed, who's the real oppressor, right? So it's if you ask a Trump supporter, they'd tell you, you know, this PC culture, the media, Hollywood, academia, even public schools maybe, they would say they're all against uh, Trumpism, they're, they're against us, we're being oppressed. And then I would say sort of the left would tell you the exact opposite. They said, you know, Trump rose to power. They're, they're oppressing us because they, you know, what they're putting this guy at the top position of office. So like, this is a threat to our existence. So I'd say you have two sides of the argument, both arguing that the other side is imposing on them. And it, it's, there's no way to establish who is really the imposer and who is the imposed upon yeah i think it's a good point just two sides battling each other but then uh, <laughs> yeah I, th I think that brings up the point that um you know the, the far right people that are storming the capitol building you know are the same people that are uh you know like QAnon theorists and things like that right mm -hmm. i see some of that's like more extreme examples but those people uh believe in uh globalist conspiracy to you know take over the world and they're all pedophiles and things like that right but 
anytime big tech companies are coming together to uh, you know not allow the use of the parlor app for example mm-hmm. that is all uh, just legitimizing the, right. what, <laughs> these theories in their minds and they're like hey look like Twitter banned the president of the United States because he was yeah. saying the things that I believe and that is pretty extreme and that like looks like pretty good evidence of all the shit they believe in right? yeah that that that's a great point because that is if I believe there was a global conspiracy which I don't but if I did believe that I'd be I'd be like feeling justified right now I'd be look <laughs> right, you know this would be the evidence in the right minds. and it definitely it's definitely how they're viewing it Right. Yeah, that's what I, that's, and that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. Like, so maybe attack is the is too strong of a word, but to those people, it's not. <laughs> like, that's what right. it is. Right. It's absolutely the attack of this evil force that is globalist in nature or whatever, some kind of evil, and it's it's coming for them, starting with their their leader, their fearless leader, Trump, <laughs> right. who who by the way will sell them for sell down the, sell them down the river for. A five, you know, five cents and a stick of gum, right? Yeah. Like he, he, his concession speech was man. He's like, yeah, those people should be locked up. He didn't even have anything to say about like, thank you for supporting me. <laughs> yeah, it was immediately just trying to distance himself from the situation. Um, so yeah, I mean, for as much as like people love Trump. I, I don't see any reciprocation there as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> no. Put your faith in Jeff Deist <laughs> <laughs> and Bob Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Put your yeah. faith in do less. We'll take care of you. Yeah. That- <laughs> All right. So, so what do you guys think? Uh, these big We're the greatest podcast ever. <laughs> 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 Making podcasts great again. <laughs> so, uh, what, do, what do you guys think these uh, Twitter and similar companies should be doing in terms of limitations of free speech? It seems like there's uh, some required minimum, right? Where you know we always talk about free speech as if it's like a constitutional right to say anything, but obviously there's limitations on that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can't go around like making bomb threats and, and encouraging terrorism um so i think there's uh some requirement for these social media apps to limit what's uh you know what what they're propagating and so if i was starting like a domestic terrorist coup on twitter they probably should stop that right they probably should ban me i would think right or if i was telling people to blow up you know schools (laughs) <laughs> they should probably do something about that, right? They should probably ban me. Um, but at that point, you know, they're drawing a line to the sand somewhere. Um, and there's certain things they're deciding to ban and things that they're not. So how do, how do you guys think they should consider that? So I think the solution is competition. Um, either Twitter can adopt these policies or some, someone else can. Because I, I think there's actually a better model for a lot of these uh, big tech companies. And I think just because they were sort of the first um, most valuable products on the market, they've built a lot of network effect that keeps them being on top and makes it difficult to compete with them. But I think there could be better models out there. For example, in Twitter, to me, they've opened a can of worms on themselves in which they're becoming the moderators of their platform in which there's millions of users 
which is basically an impossible task. Anything that involves judgment uh, for that many users is just an impossible task. So I think they've opened up a can of worms on themselves by even attempting to do this. I think you more so could have maybe some sort of um, decentralized uh, platform where you don't really store all the data. It's just, uh, you know, it's publicly displayed, but the data gets encrypted and just put into a server somewhere. And there's no backdoors, moderators, admins, or anything of that sort. And so it's just sort of uh, free reign. And then you build rules into the software where basically if certain things get reported um, enough times, you just make some uh, rule set to automatically hide this content. But, you know, if people want to see it, they can view it or it gets deleted if, depending on what it is. Um, and then maybe even a platform where it's, you require like um, identification of some kind so that there's actually, it's all just real people. I mean, you don't necessarily have to sign up for this, but it could be an interesting idea so that there's no bots and everyone can only have one account and it's their actual name so that you don't sort of have these anonymous trolls and it's really more of like a mm. uh, town square, like people sort of refer to Twitter as. Mm -hmm. um, and that way, if you're saying, if you're actually threatening people, then, you know, maybe we can deal with that in real life, <laughs> according to your identity. Because I, I, I don't know, I think, you, right. I know people get heated on the internet, but as soon as you start, like, death threats, like, you need a little more emotional maturity, because that's just not okay. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, in this situation, I'm even inclined to, like, Let's even go as far as to say, like, this was, this was the best move by Twitter and all these companies. Like, let's say we're not even privy to some, some conversations, which I'm likely to believe that probably did happen, of, like, actual riot organization and, like, uh, logistic planning and stuff. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to... You know, if, if there are some people at Twitter that are privy to that and they want to shut that down then maybe they're actually doing good by doing such a strong arm action and removing all these accounts from their platform. Um, you know, I just almost wish though, like, so let's lend them that. Let's let, let's believe that that's what's going on. I just, it's just hard for me. And, and I know it's hard for a lot of people who don't have memory loss beyond six months ago to remember seeing this talking head, that talking head, this politician, that famous athlete. Oh, you know, yeah, a couple, a couple buildings got burned down, but this is, it's because we're serious, you know, is what they said on Twitter. So it's just like, you got to be like, okay, Twitter, you're doing a good thing, but you got to be more consistent. So, but, but Jeff, what you're saying with the competition is what solves it. it you know, it, that's what letting someone in come in, sweep in and get the market share is what is the most effective way to teach a corporation a lesson. Yeah. I do think there's something to be said about, uh, challenges, impediments to competition when it comes to social media, just because yeah. they, uh, requ required user base to, you know, be effective mm -hmm. and competitive is pretty tough, uh, tough, hurdle to, to get over and get in the inertia. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, so here's actually another solution I just came up with. Make the government less powerful. <laughs> There's less of a carrot 
at the end of the stick, you know, to fight over. If controlling the power allows you to do what? Put in someone that controls the military, which, you know, isn't, you know, hopefully there's not a lot of wars or hopefully there's less that the, the military, like the commander in chief even needs to do day to day. So what do we argue about day to day? It, it, come, it becomes less of this political power grab, you know, that exists on social media and what these social media companies are able to, um, to play referee on. And it, it just becomes like, oh, it's not even worth the conversation because there's no power to grab. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point because whenever you're trying to solve any problem, you always want to ask yourself, okay, what's the root cause? Because if you're just solving problems that are symptoms of another problem, uh, it's like just putting a Band-Aid on a wound. It doesn't necessarily solve the problem. And the, the question is, why are we so divided as a country? And the answer is because people have an existential meltdown anytime their candidate's not in office. So if it's this important to have your guy at the top thing, that's kind of the root problem here. And we're so divided because half of the country feels like they're under tyrannical rule every four years or every eight years. And if we didn't feel that way, all this divisiveness, all this anger and violence wouldn't be leaking out into other aspects of our society. And if we're just saying, okay, how do we fix Twitter? How do you know their sense? It's like, well, what if we just weren't so politically divided as a nation? Maybe we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yep. Yeah, that's a really good point. Last illustrative example, there's a there was a woman that was running for representative of Florida. I believe it was uh, it was a Congress in Florida. Um, her name is Laura Loomer, and she was banned from everything. Like what Trump got banned from on Friday and more, including like five of her six bank accounts. So she wasn't allowed to bank like freely. Mm -hmm. Just because of the things she said, she's very far right. Actually, kind of crazy. I'm not not a big fan, but <laughs> I, but the the example would be like these banks have more of a financial incentive to shunt a congresswoman's campaign than in a society where if there wasn't that much power, the the financial incentive would actually be to bank with this <laughs> with this woman like the the uh, financial gain that could be had from allowing this woman to bank with your bank should, you know could and should be larger than the financial incentive that you have from having the chance to shunt her her campaign and and, and control a political environment yeah I, I think you can't that point can't be overstated right so we have all these comp big giant corporations which for the longest time, all we ever talked about is how they're greedy and all they care about is profits. That's been the thing we've all said about corporations. And so now that you have these entities, which we all say are only care about profits, they're just greedy, that's all that matters, doing things that on the surface seem to be against their financial interests. They're banning users, blocking customers, segmenting their market, potentially alienating entire swaths of their user base that would seem to be against their financial interests. But if they truly still are 
acting in their, let's say, long-term financial interests, what does that mean for our government? What does that mean for our, our society that truly the, the most profitable thing to do is to isolate yourself into this echo chamber of thinking and not let any other people access any of your um, services? Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, I do think there's a social aspect to it, uh, right? Which, which uh, has financial incentives um, attached to it, such that uh, these companies, I think these banks, I don't know the specific story of this congresswoman, um, but these banks are choosing not to do business with someone because other people that they are hoping to get business from may want to, may not want to use their services because they offer they are offering services to someone they don't like. Uh, and so it's kind of like, you know, people that have the stain of Trump on them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, other people don't want to do business with them because they then won't get business from all these other people that mm -hmm. hate Trump, right? So they, they still could be financially incentivized not to do business with someone. Right. That's kind of what I'm concerned about is that yeah. <laughs> it's becoming profitable to be isolationist. And I, and I think this isn't necessarily a, a problem for our government to solve because it's probably our government that pitted us against each other so much in the first place. So, I mean, it's we're kind of in a tough situation. Here. It's hard to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, honestly. Yeah. I would agree. Mm -hmm. We started down a slippery slope in the doesn't I, I don't see a, a great outcome. Mm -hmm. in any hypothetical scenario. Let me pose a question to you both. Um, what do you think could bring us together as a country, if at all? Or do you think it's just kind of that ship has sailed and we're just never going to get along? Unfortunately, I, think... I, I have one answer. It's unfortunate, but I'll let you start, John. Bombing children in Yemen. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh. I think uh, <laughs> realistically, though, I do think one thing that's proven to bring people together is uh, can oftentimes a, a common enemy and hardship. So realistically, obviously, I don't I don't think this is gonna, would be a good thing for the world. But I think foreign war would be something that would actually bring us together. Like if there's World yeah, War Three. I wasn't joking. Like it was, uh, like that's seriously what it, the foreign enemy is. What um, now? Some people say the coronavirus was the foreign enemy <laughs> that that what that was required to bring us together, but yeah. that actually didn't work. So maybe that's yeah, not sure. even strong enough to to bring us together. Um, I think that yeah. I, I, I don't think that there is anything. Do you think? Do you think there is, Jeff? Um, no, honestly, I think a lot of people view people I'm close with, family, friends. They'll view like Trump supporters as sort of their enemy. They don't view them as their countrymen. And right. I know Trump supporters mm -hmm. who basically feel like all liberals are just tyrants who want to control them. And so it's not everybody, obviously us three are sitting here and we're not particularly emotionally charged about politics. 
we care about it, but it's not, I don't think any of us have ever lost a friend over politics. Um, and so, you know, there's much more people out there like us, but there is a sizable amount of people who really view other citizens as their enemy. Yeah, I just saw a video at the at the um, last Wednesday, the sixth, of a. Um, it was a reporter that was obviously a leftist who was walking up to someone. And while he was walking up, he was saying, "These are a bunch of clowns. Let's talk to let's talk to one now." And then he put his microphone out. What do you think of Trump? And the guy's like, "Oh, greatest president." He was like tearing up. He's like, "He's gonna save us. Like he's gonna do." It. And then the guys just listen to him and they walks away and he's like there you have it like just the most disrespectful yeah. <laughs> like like it's it's yeah. funny but it's like no nah, yeah it's like that, that guy person is coming was from a place his heart out, yeah that kind of, yeah that this is one person is expressing his deep like like salvation uh his deep like happiness what brings him happiness what brings him op optimism right. And the other guy is using it to to completely disrespect him and make fun of him on a very large platform. This is on you know this is getting millions of views. So it's just like these are people that are are interested in respecting each other. They're right. interested in demonizing each other. So it's like at least have the respect to just have a divorce. Say. <laughs> We're yeah, done here. We're done here. I'm not going to put you through any more pain, but you can't put me through any pain. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, to your point, no matter how much you disagree, we need to be able to have conversations and respect people's opinions and try to try to see where they're coming from. Like, you yeah. can imagine another scenario where someone's, you know, religious, uh, like a Buddhist or something that you're mm -hmm. not, and say, like, yeah, I found, like, salvation through, like, this practice, and it really, mm -hmm. like, changed my life for the better, and then you you know, turn to Jeff and say, listen to that clown. Like, yeah. Yeah, right? right. So yeah. even if it's, it's not something you agree with, you, you can't, it doesn't help to talk to people that talk to or about people that way. Yeah. I was literally right about to bring up religion as an example. Um, yeah. And I was going to say, you know, there's all these different religions out there. And if we tried to force one religion rule upon the rest of us can you imagine how divided we'd right. be right. like we would be at each other's throats if it was christian president one year islam president the next year like or you know whatever like we'd be completely at each other's throats we'd probably be killing each other already mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think our politics and our, our culture has become so different so spread so far apart that it's you can almost treat it like religion at this point where we need to be able to have, I guess, some sort of separation where, you know, one culture has its form of governance and the other culture has its form of governance and they don't agree with each other, but neither one is trying to conquer the other and impose, you know, you know, we're not trying to do the crusades again, hopefully <laughs> anytime soon, you know, just agree to disagree, essentially. Yeah, it's crazy how, how eerily similar political language is mirroring religious language such as what we saw on on wednesday when we saw oh this is a a um whatever they called it this like a shrine i don't think they called it a shrine what did they say it was like when they uh 
reached the capital, they're like, this is a sanctimonious place or you Sac- know, whatever. It's I don't like, know, the sacred yeah. institution. Sacred, yeah, yeah, sacred same. institution. It's just like, and, and even back in the BLM riots, it was like, oh, like people need to uh, um, repent for their sins. I mean, it, they didn't say that, but it was essentially a movement to say, hey, everybody, this is a call for you to recognize your sins and through this way, repent kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it's just very similar to like, religion in in that way in that regard yeah it's like uh comparing the phrase check your privilege to like repent for your sins (laughs) right right Right. sins of your forefathers Uh, original sin yeah yeah which like i think is that's something people you know I, i think that that's worth talking about is um the idea that you know, white cis males like ourselves, you know, are, mm-hmm. are born with the benefit, which is absolutely true and is the case of, you know, white privilege that makes our lives easier, right? That's mm-hmm. definitely a real thing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the two sides are telling each other, like, hey, like, you know, the, the left is saying to the right, you're born with this privilege, and the people on the right are saying, I don't feel that privileged, right? Because right. Like, like you've pointed out in the past, a lot of these people are in rural, rural areas where they only others see other white people and, um, you know, their middle-class livelihoods have been deteriorating for many years now. And when they're told that, that they're privileged and uh, fortunate, they don't feel that that's, that's the case. Right. Especially when it, like, comes from kind of Ivy League kids who are saying to someone who didn't even go to college, you know, you're, you're privileged. It just, I don't think that's going to work. You know, I don't, I don't think that's going to ring harmoniously with that individual, you know? So, right. uh, if, if, if you want to like reach people, I think we just, we don't, we don't have empathy for one another. Um, you know, I think if you, if you asked either side to put yourself in their shoes, I don't think they could do it. I think it, they would be so repulsed with of the idea of imagining their opposition's humanity. Uh, it would just cause too much cognitive dissonance. I don't even think they can empathize at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you ask someone, it's like, what is that other person arguing? And they're just like, well, something stupid, like, <laughs> just complete, and they just like throw out a complete straw man. It's like, oh, okay, so why are you arguing with them if, if they're, you know, like, why are you trying to appeal to their logic when they don't, and they're not exhibiting logic to you, mm-hmm. you know. It's just you're wasting your breath at that point. That's the, that's one thing that I don't. Did we address this on our logic episode? It's just like when you're engaging with someone in an argument, mm-hmm. which is to say you're engaged with it in a logical discourse. It's like if you're not starting from a base basis of logic, it's like you're wasting your time. Like you're not. Right. You're just having a fight. You're just wasting your breath. Yeah, that's true. If you're starting with emotion as your start point, you're not going to get anywhere with that discussion. So you might as well like punch each other in the face because <laughs> you're and not. <laughs> I, and here's the thing. I consider myself someone who very strongly emphasizes that in my life. Like, Make mm-hmm. sure that you're not just arguing with someone. Make sure you're appealing to their logic, understanding what they're saying, give them credit for having an argument, give them credit for believing what they're, what they're saying. You know, I believe those so strongly and I feel myself like after, like the day after I'm like, 
I don't know why I said that to them. I don't think I was going to change their mind at that point. I said it out of emotion. Like I can even th right. feel myself. Like you, yeah. even when you know it's something that people do, you can't stop yourself. Like it's just we're too strong. Like we're just too strong-willed. Like oh, I was just gonna. I just wanted to say that, you know, just, t just I just wanted to say it out of emotion. So it's just like you got to constantly be checking yourself, constantly be, and that's a, and that's a hard thing because that takes time. Like if you're in a conversation and someone says something to you and you say, "Hmm, let me think about that," well, they say, "Okay, well then I beat you." You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm a better debater than you, and it's just like, well, what we should see in conversations is, someone says something, the other person said, you know, "Okay, let me think about that." You know, take some time. I listened to a podcast. They said the average response time after someone finishes talking in a conversation is like, it's like less than five seconds. That's a good point, you know, like, John. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and... <laughs> That's a good point. I think people actually wait too long. <laughs> but it's like you, you're not listening to the, at least the last end part of their, their, their point. You know, in the whole time they were talking, you were thinking about what you were going to say. You weren't actually going to be addressing their point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that whole time you were talking, I was thinking about my next point, which <laughs> is that maybe the Do Less podcast should start its own religion where we say check your bias instead of check your privilege. And then yeah, that way everyone okay. remembers to check their bias. That's interesting, Jeff. Let me think about that. <laughs> um, I, th I think I'm biased because I'm a member of Do Less Podcast, so I can't <laughs> in good faith, I can't in good faith opine. <laughs> yeah, do, do you guys? We'll have a Twitter. We'll have a Twitter poll if we're not if we're not censored. <laughs> if we're not censored, yeah. You guys decide. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, you guys want? I feel like we've strayed pretty far from the subject of, of censorship, but mm. um, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> anything else we want to want to touch on on that topic that we haven't um i think it's fair that we did deviate so far from censorship because yeah i i honestly don't think well i wouldn't even define what has happened as censorship to me censorship is government silencing it actually involves force i don't mm. think like private people can censor other people i don't believe that as the case um and so again i think the reason we deviated so far is because this really is, I think, just a symptom bubbling up from the underlying culture divide that we have in this country. And so right. that we took it to that place, I think, is reasonable. Um, and another point I wanted to make about arguing with someone, right? Well, could I just, yeah, uh, so, I'll just, one thing is, I agree with that. I do think that the hybrid nature of our private corporations, mm -hmm. how closely tied, like, how closely tied cell phone providers are to utilities and how utilities are government subsidized, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, once you get in that realm, it's like, if a cell phone company starts not letting someone use this cell phone, it's like that censorship, even though that's a private company, stuff like that. I would say, you know, so Twitter, it's probably even further away from that, but the line of censorship, I think will be a little mud muddied in this, in this Scenario. Yeah, that's a good point because it is sort of a gray area, right? So let's say government has like uh, barriers to entry for competition. If they're using their force to prevent competitors to ent from entering the market, it doesn't matter if Twitter is completely private because if the government won't let anyone else enter the game, it's essentially government censorship. I don't think that's what we're looking at quite yet, but 
it's entirely possible right. that we could head there. So uh, yeah, I think that's a valid point, John. Sorry, what were you, and then you were going to go on to say... Uh, oh yeah, so I mean, I think a thing that can help with division is if you're arguing with someone, like you said, don't start from a place of emotion. Try to start from a place of, you know, putting yourself in their shoes and understanding their argument. And we shouldn't look at arguments. A lot of, I know a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people who view even just very civil discourse as sort of an attack on each other. Like it, mm -hmm. it, like it is this animosity, even just disagreeing with one another. And it really doesn't have to be that way. If you disagree with someone, you can have a discussion with them that can be mutually beneficial, right? It doesn't have to be dominating your opponent and winning the argument and they agree with you now. Like that doesn't have to be the point of a discussion. If both people walk away with a better understanding of where the other person's coming from, that's a mutually beneficial thing. And you're both, it's like net positive. Neither one walked away worse. They both walked away better. Yeah. Yeah. That, and going back to that podcast I mentioned earlier about conversations, they're just saying like how important it is to enter a conversation with the idea that you can learn something right rather than right. what we do is we go in we're trying to teach someone or trying to change their mind mm -hmm. but if we go in and we think how how can i learn so let me learn at least one thing from this person that i otherwise didn't think about totally i think that's really important um and can't be stressed enough i think you know civil discourse is one of the only answers um and like we've mentioned going in and, and thinking about what your own biases are when starting conversations and being there to listen um, is the only way to ever heal the divide that we have right now. Um, and I think it's unlikely, but I think maybe the only answer to what could bring us together is, is a cultural shift where that becomes, you know, considered cool or moral uh, mm. to, to enter conversations that way and for people to be just generally accepting of people with very opposing views. I don't think we're not the great go there, but we're not helping be because answer. we're the lamest people that you guys are going to ever see. And we're trying to do it. So we are creating the, the opposite of a good example. Yeah. I mean, maybe the answer is just to agree to disagree. Sometimes that's the best way to get out of an argument mm -hmm. uh, with someone when it's getting too heated. You just say, you know, agree to disagree if it's getting too charged and you go your separate ways. And if we're, it could be the case that we're at that point where it's time to agree to disagree, I hope it's not because the more we cooperate as humans, uh, the better off we are because I see the human brain as the most valuable resource there is. And the more we can work together and unleash the potential of a human mind, the better we're all going to be. Um, so I hope it doesn't come to this point, but it's better than us killing each other. So, <laughs> yeah. Cause the human brain is, comes up with all sorts of ways to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Very creative in that department. That true. <laughs> so do you guys think, um, like post Biden inauguration, Twitter ever, uh, like opens up Trump's Twitter again? Or do you think uh, it's a permanent ban and that becomes a more commonplace thing? Or do you think this is... Uh, Alex Jones. He's just going the way of Alex Jones. Yeah, I think he'll start his own private website or whatever 
with his own servers and just have his own audience, just like Alex Jones. And like, yeah, Alex yeah, Jones doesn't even have any corporate sponsors. He sponsors his own like podcast. Like Trump could do the same thing, or whatever. Pushes hotels. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I actually got kind of like a shiver down my spine when he was starting to get reprimanded by like the media and stuff. And then he came out with that like concession video. I'm like, what kind of <laughs> shady dark force sat him down and was right. like, listen, here's what's going to happen. Otherwise, you are going to face some serious penalties and serious consequences. And he was just like, all right, yep, I concede. Unless that was a deep fake, I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been oh, his man. own legal team that told him, "Yeah, this is for your own good." Yeah, could be. It's kind of scary yeah, to me, though. It's still scary. What's scarier if it is a deep fake? What's scarier, the fact that they would attempt that, or the fact that uh, what was it? I don't think you could get anyone to fake Trump's physique. Yeah, I, I I had a I had a weird. Uh, it's iconic. I had a weird. Can't fake that. Duopoly kind of thing, but I lost it. Never mind. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's all I have for the topic, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I did have one other thing. This is probably more relevant way back, so maybe I'll splice it in, but or maybe I'll just say it. But like, the idea of. Um, how when I was saying how uh, we should have heeded the warning before the election with Hunter Biden censoring, um, it kind of reminds me of and how we didn't it was like didn't do anything. It kind of reminds me of a, another topic we talk a lot about, which is monetary policy of how um, how our whole system is set up to basically be like everything is going to be fine as long as no like existential threat such as like a pandemic happens you know like everyone is fine with this monetary policy where no one needs any savings and the interest rate can be zero and we're everyone's living hand to mouth that's fine for it's like as long as you can keep this like picture of like economic prosperity going but then as soon as something interrupts that then it all cascades in, a, in and upon itself just like with this social media i would say the um the analog is it's all fine as long as everyone's like set is all confining within the box of allowable opinion. But mm -hmm. as soon as someone breaks that, it's just like, oh, we recognize now that it was very, it, it was very irresponsible to put all our faith in this one private company, Twitter, that they're going to be the 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 best arbiter of information. It's like, oh wow, we just like it. It makes you like wake up and say like, okay, no, we gotta <laughs> rethink. A, the, there's so many faults and there's so many. Uh, points of failure that we got to rethink about that. So I kind of see an analog there. Yeah, I think the most important thing is we don't put all our eggs in one basket and say right. to these companies, you're the public square, but the government will, you know, regulate it and whatever else. Like mm -hmm. we, we need to not have all our eggs in one basket so that if anyone goes too far, we can just hop on to the next thing just like that. I mean, like if... I don't think we'd be sitting down and having a conversation about MySpace's terms and conditions. So <laughs> like, that's because <laughs> right. the market can improve right. and fix those problems. Little known fun facts, MySpace is fully okay with Nazis. 
<laughs> That's how they are going <laughs> to All right. All right. Anything else? Um, I think we we teased uh, the concept of secession, so uh, stay tuned to do less because we may be having a full-on debate with some. Oh, um, we, we will be. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Jack and will, Henry. We will pwn them with facts and logic until they submit to our yeah. way of thinking. So it's going to be pretty. Oh sick. yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff you're saying about. <laughs> respectable disagreements and logical arguments like no that's going out the window that'll be an emotionally charged conversation ad hominems so if you're listening we're coming for you <laughs> alright I'm excited for that so. alright tune in next time thanks, thanks for, for listening well. everybody talk to you later